You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include President Biden is under investigation for his handling of classified documents, political protests are heating up in Brazil, and George Santos is willing to resign if 142 congressmen want him to. Here's your national news recap for the week of January 8th. Attorney General Merrick Garland is appointing a special counsel to oversee the investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents following his tenure as vice president. The announcement comes after Biden's team in early November discovered classified records in a Washington, D.C. office previously used by Biden. That resulted in a subsequent search revealing an additional batch of records at Biden's Delaware home. In a press conference, Biden said the records were in a locked garage with his Corvette. Federal law enforcement officers are interviewing multiple aides who worked for President Biden when he was vice president during the Obama administration. They are going over how classified documents turned up in his Delaware residence and Washington, D.C. office. NBC News reports an anonymous source familiar with the matter said the aides complied immediately. They added those who held box up his office at the end of his term in 2017 had no idea there was anything in there that shouldn't leave the White House. Former U.S. Attorney to the District of Maryland Robert Hur is being appointed special counsel to oversee the investigation into President Biden's handling of classified documents. Attorney General Merrick Garland made the announcement Thursday. It comes after Biden's team in November discovered classified records in a Washington, D.C. office previously used by Biden and his Delaware home. Hur served as a U.S. Attorney for Maryland during the Trump administration and resigned in 2021. Flights across the U.S. were affected by a computer outage. The FAA said on its website Wednesday morning that its notice-to-air missions computer system had failed. The system contains information essential to workers involved in flight operations. All flights in the U.S. were grounded following the incident. The FAA website said operations across the national airspace system are affected and added later in a tweet, the ground stop is no longer in effect. It added the cause of what happened is under investigation. President Biden says his economic plan is working as inflation appears to be cooling. Measured over the last 12 months, it has fallen to 6.5 percent. That's down from 7.1 percent the month before. His remarks come as the consumer price index fell by 0.1 percent in December. The president said inflation has fallen for the sixth month in a row and is at its lowest level since October 2021. He added that take-home pay for workers is going up. Inflation, however, remains well above the Federal Reserve's 2% goal. A preliminary Texas Ranger report on the Uvalde school shooting is completed and delivered to the city's district attorney. Scott Carr reports. 
The Texas Department of Public Safety says police investigating the Uvalde school shooting have sent an initial report to prosecutors. But DA Christina Mitchell's not released it publicly. She said previously she would need a completed investigation to make any decisions about potential charges, including against any of the nearly 400 officers whose actions and inactions have been under scrutiny. Hundreds of officers who responded to Rob Elementary didn't confront the shooter for more than an hour after initial reports. Mitchell says she expects to receive the complete report in the spring at the earliest. I'm Scott Carr. Opening statements are underway in the Proud Boy trial for their alleged involvement in the Capitol riot. Leader Enrique Tarillo and four members of the far-right extremist group are charged with conspiring to stop the transfer of power to President Biden by force. They're also charged with assaulting police officers, obstructing of government proceeding, and destroying federal property. Prosecutors say Tarillo knew about and was involved in talks about storming the Capitol and occupying buildings. The federal government is dropping its appeals involving two former Minneapolis police officers convicted of violating George Floyd's rights during his murder in 2020. Lisa Taylor has more. The Eighth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals acted on the request from federal prosecutors in the cases of J. Alexander Kang and Tu Tao. The defendants are still appealing their convictions handed down by a jury last year. Tao was sentenced to three and a half years in prison and King was sentenced to three years. I'm Lisa Taylor. Customs and Border Protection is rolling out a new app for migrants to use to start their asylum claims. The CBP-1 app will allow migrants to schedule appointments with agents for Title 42 exemptions. Previously, the agency relied on the help of nonprofits to seek migrants who may qualify for protection. Asylum advocates have criticized the move over privacy concerns, saying scammers could take advantage of the would-be asylum seekers. The app can be used for select ports of entry in California, Arizona, and Texas. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. This is Ileana Pineda with your international news report. The following newscast has been sourced by the BBC. On Sunday, January 8th, supporters of the former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro protested and stormed the country's Congress, Supreme Court, and Presidential Palace due to Bolsonaro's election loss back in October of 2022. About 4,000 Bolsonaro supporters arrived in buses and joined others camped outside army barracks before the march that would occur along Main Avenue towards Congress. Protesters broke through barriers and stormed Congress. Others invaded the presidential palace, damaging artwork and furniture. Within approximately two hours, more protesters were cleared by police. However, a large crowd still remained outside the Congress buildings. The governor of Brasilia, Ibanez Roncha, eventually requested support from the national government, although it is not clear when exactly this was made. Current president of Brazil, President Lula, announced soon afterwards that he had authorized national forces to intervene in Brasilia. As of now, more than 1,500 people were detained after the riot and more than 1,200 people have been formally arrested and are being charged in relation to the riot. According to a memo from federal prosecutors seen by the BBC, pro-Bolsonaro groups have been calling for mega demonstrations to take place across Brazilian state capitals. The document also outlines a number of additional security measures being taken, including the immediate arrest of suspects blocking roads and invading public buildings, as well as stiff fines of 20,000 Brazilian rias, equivalent to about 3,830 U.S. dollars an hour per participant. This is all necessary so that we can get back to work, said Brasilia resident Anderson Rodriguez. They should charge everyone involved in the riot with a crime, he added. Not just the people who were here, but the people who financed it as well. Our next story. A suicide bomb attack outside the Afghan foreign ministry in Kambul has caused heavy casualties. 
Police said at least five civilians had been killed, but another Taliban official put the toll as high as 20. The local offshoot of the Islamic State group known as the ISIS-K claimed it carried out the attack. It comes from recent blasts targeting foreign interests. Several countries, including Turkey and China, have embassies in the area. The attack took place on Wednesday, 4 p.m. local time when the bomber tried but failed to enter the ministry building itself, the Taliban said. The building itself did not appear to be badly damaged. At the nearby interior ministry, window pans were also shattered by the explosion. But the Italian humanitarian agency Emergency NGO in Campbell said it had received more than 40 wounded people and the casualty numbers were continuing to rise. A string of attacks has targeted foreigners or foreign interests in recent months, at a time when the Taliban is trying to attract investment from neighboring countries. Afghanistan has been rocked by dozens of blasts since the Taliban seized power last year, mostly claimed by ISIS-K. And our final story. Russia's defense ministry says its forces are taking part in the Battle of Soledad, a town north of Bekmont in east Ukraine, which has been the focus of recent fighting. It comes after the head of Russia's notoriously brutal Wagner mercenary group, Jevgeny Prigozhin, claimed his fighters were in full control there and boasted that only his troops took part. Mr. Prigozhin will most likely use any victory to bolster the reputation of Wagner as an effective fighting force in the eyes of President Putin. Spokesman Igor Konoshinkov said in the military's daily update that Soledad has been blockaded from the north and the south by units of the Russian airborne forces. The Russian Air Force is carrying out strikes on enemy strongholds. Assault troops are taking part in the battles inside the town. There was no mention of Wagner forces. Analysts have long spoken of tensions between the military and Wagner, and Mr. Prigozhin had publicly criticized generals for allegedly being out of touch with the realities of the war in Ukraine. Despite the long and intense battle, Ole Shadano, a highly respected military analyst in Ukraine, believes that Russia is trying to prove to the whole world that it is an army capable of winning. And that was Ileana Pineda with your international news. This is the local news, and I am Spencer Hammond. Embattled New York Congressman George Santos says he'll resign if 142 people ask him to. North Hempstead Town Supervisor Jennifer DeSina says that will not be a problem. It's unclear which 142 people he is talking about, but it comes after Long Island Republicans demanded he step down on Wednesday. The New York Times has gotten hold of the resume Santos submitted to the Nassau County Republican Committee in 2020, revealing that he did not provide any dates. He also lied about owning more than a dozen properties, attending higher education institutions, and holding positions at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has no plans to call for New York Congressman George Santos to step down for lying about his background and credentials. McCarthy said Santos has a long way to go to earn trust, but said voters elected Santos to represent them in Congress. The Speaker said Santos will be held accountable if he's found to have done something legitimately wrong. Meanwhile, House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries said his colleagues on the other side of the aisle have a responsibility to take action against Santos, who has resisted bipartisan demands for his resignation. Nurses headed back to work at two New York City hospitals after reaching tentative contract agreements. More than 7,000 nurses at Mount Fiore and Mount Sinai hit the picket line for three days, holding out for contracts that included better nursing patient ratios. Nurses Union President Nancy Hagen says both hospitals agreed to a three-year contract that included a 19% pay raise and enforcement of nursing patient ratios. She says nurses are grateful for the outpouring of support they received on the picket line. Governor Kathy Hochul greeted nurses at Mount Sinai to congratulate them on their new contract. 
A former member of the NYPD is dead after being stabbed in Staten Island. Officials say the 37-year-old former police officer was walking with his children when he got into a dispute with a man on Elizabeth Street Wednesday night. He brought his children into a home, and when he went back outside, the suspect stabbed him in the neck. He was rushed to the hospital, but ultimately succumbed to his injuries. The suspect fled, and no arrests have been made. Officials say he was wearing all black and a ski mask. The latest data reveals that fewer New York City residents have been contracting COVID-19. Right now, the seven-day average infection rate is at 6.97%. At this point one week ago, the average infection rate was 8.65%. Experts say the latest variant of the virus is spreading very rapidly, and they're urging everyone to take precautions to protect themselves from getting sick. A hit-and-run in Brooklyn last Friday is now being investigated as a possible hate crime. A car accelerated into a 55-year-old Hasidic man in Crown Heights on Friday as he was crossing at Albany Avenue and Union Street around 5 p.m. The video shows the car hitting the man with no attempt to swerve or brake. The man suffered a broken leg, and the hate crimes task force is investigating. The police are looking for several suspects following an armed robbery at an internet cafe in Brooklyn. This happened around 1 a.m. on Wednesday on 59th Street in Sunset Park. Police say four suspects walked into the cafe and robbed employees and customers at gunpoint, demanding money and cell phones. Investigators say they stole around $200 from the register and made off with at least five iPhones. No injuries have been reported and no arrests have been made. Pennsylvania state leaders are postponing a trial that could lead to the removal of Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner. The trial was set to begin next Wednesday. However, the state Senate voted to delay the trial indefinitely. A judge recently said the impeachment articles weren't enough to meet the standards constitutionally, and there is no word on when a new date will be set. That was the local news, and I'm Spencer Hammond. I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. It is inescapably clear that dysfunction of the brain's blue spot, the nucleus locus ceruleus, is linked with depression, stress and anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, attention deficit disorder, and drug abuse as well as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, as stated by Dr. Barry Waterhouse, professor and chair of the Department of Cell Biology and Neuroscience at the Rhone University School of Osteopathic Medicine. Because of a bluish pigment produced by its neurons, the locus ceruleus was first identified in 1809 as a blue spot in the human brain. Using norepinephrine as its neurotransmitter, the locus ceruleus affects our ability to stay focused and attend to tasks throughout the day. What's not entirely clear yet, what Waterhouse aims to discover in his research, is how the system works and why disruptions can lead to a variety of clinical conditions. Waterhouse and his team have studied the anatomy, physiology, and behavioral impact of the locus ceruleus system on contingent and sensory signal processing. Waterhouse said, fatigue, confusion, trouble with attention, these are all things you might expect if a head injury interferes with the normal operations of this system in the brain. The new year is off to an energetic start with the Department of Music's Festival of Brass. Beginning January 18th, the series includes faculty spotlights from the Brass faculty led by Dr. Brian Appleby Winberg, performance from visiting artist Jonah Zimmerman and Dr. James Gurley, and culminates with the Mid-Atlantic Brass Band Festival from February 10th through 12th. The energy continues with the 53rd Rowan Jazz Festival on February 10th, led by Dennis de Blasio, and a special engagement 
Nonprofit from the Rowan Symphony Orchestra and Art Tolerance, an organization dedicated to using art to create common ground between people of different backgrounds. The college's student ensembles, choirs, bands, and orchestras, along with the spring opera, La Boheme, round out the spring music calendar. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. Starting in the NFL, let's take a look at the finalized playoff bracket for each conference. A three-team battle has concluded in the NFC between the Seahawks, Lions, and Packers for the seventh playoff spot. Following a win in overtime by the Seahawks and a loss by the Packers, the Seattle Seahawks snuck their way to a playoff matchup with the number two seed San Francisco 49ers on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. As for the rest of the NFC, the number three seeded Minnesota Vikings and the number six seed New York Giants will face off on Sunday at 4.30 p.m. in Minneapolis. And to cap off wildcard weekend, the number five seed Dallas Cowboys will travel to Florida set for a Monday night matchup with Tom Brady and the number four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That game will kick off at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday as the Cowboys and Buccaneers look to battle things out in prime time. Switching to the AFC, Mike McDaniels and the Miami Dolphins clinched the seventh and final seed in the AFC playoff picture with a Week 18 win over the New York Jets. The Dolphins will face the number two seed Buffalo Bills on Sunday at 1 p.m. However, Miami will be without starting quarterback Tua Tagovailoa for a third straight game due to a concussion. Third string quarterback Skylar Thompson will command the offense on Sunday, hoping for a miracle. From Miami, Florida to Jacksonville, Florida, the Jacksonville Jaguars clinched the number four seed with their win over the Titans in week 18, clinching the AFC South in the process for the first time since 2017. Trevor Lawrence and the Jags will host Justin Herbert and the number five seed Los Angeles Chargers tonight, Saturday, January 14th at 8.15 p.m. And finally for the AFC, the number three seed Cincinnati Bengals will host their division rival, the number six seed Baltimore Ravens. This game will kick off on Sunday, January 15th, also at 8.15 p.m. Like Miami, the Ravens will also be without their starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Backup quarterback Tyler Huntley will be in line to start for the Ravens and has shown flashes of promise at times for Baltimore. Following the results from Wild Card Weekend, the one-seeded Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs will face the lowest remaining seed in the playoffs from their respective conference. Switching from the NFL to the MLB, the Carlos Correa contract carousel has officially concluded as he returns to the Minnesota Twins on a six-year, $200 million contract. Correa originally signed with the San Francisco Giants earlier this offseason for 13 years and $350 million. Once that deal fell through due to concerns over his right leg, the New York Mets signed Correa to a 12-year, $315 million contract. After further review, the Mets had concern over the same right leg issue that the Giants had concern over. Once it was all said and done, Correa will stay with the Twins for the near future. With that being said, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your professional sports news. Hi, I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan Report business update. 
Credit card debt is rising due to high inflation. A new report by Bankrate.com shows nearly half of all credit card holders carry debt from month to month. That's a 7% jump from last year. As one senior analyst put it, Americans are hanging in there, but some cracks are beginning to show. The average credit card rate is now at an all-time high of 19.6% as the Federal Reserve hikes its rates to fight inflation. Folks across the country are still feeling sticker shock when it comes to the price of eggs. Lisa G. reports. Economists say the high prices of eggs could hang on for months, which doesn't sit well with shoppers. I feel like everything is expensive. Eggs are still $5 when they used to be like $1.99. According to the Consumer Price Index, the price for a carton of eggs jumped 49.1% in November to $3.58. Food prices have been impacted by severe weather, labor shortages, and rush ongoing war with Ukraine, while agriculture officials are blaming the avian flu for poor egg production. Lisa G, NBC News Radio, New York. The CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase is walking back predictions of an economic hurricane this year. CEO Jamie Dimon now says there may be more storm clouds on the economic horizon, but he's more optimistic for the American consumer. He originally said the hurricane was taking the shape of a hard-hitting recession, but said Tuesday the U.S. could actually see a Goldilocks mid-recession. The average U.S. household is around $165,000 in debt. That's according to a new study by NerdWallet, which found the national U.S. household debt total has risen to $16.5 trillion, nearly 8% higher than last year. While the average amount of student loan debt has gone down, mortgages, auto loans, and overall debt has increased. According to the study, the median household income only grew by 4% last year, while the cost of living rose 8%. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. Legendary rock musician Jeff Beck has passed away after contracting bacterial meningitis, as reported by his family earlier this week. The musician rose to prominence decades ago in the Yardbirds and is regarded as one of the most innovative guitarists of his generation. The 78-year-old melded together rock with jazz fusion and spent many of his later years playing mostly instrumental tunes without vocals. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice, once with the Yardbirds and once as a solo artist. He also recorded two songs recently with Ozzy Osbourne of Black Sabbath. Actor Ezra Miller will avoid time in jail after reaching a plea agreement to resolve a burglary charge. Miller was arrested last year and accused of stealing alcohol from the home of a neighbor in Vermont. The plea deal calls for the Flash star to plead guilty to a charge of simple trespass and receive one year of probation. Danny Masterson will once again be tried for alleged sexual assault in Los Angeles. In November, a mistrial was declared after a jury was unable to agree on a verdict. The actor is accused of sexually assaulting three women at his Hollywood Hills home about two decades ago. He denies the accusations. The 46-year-old has been free on bail since his arrest in 2020. In an L.A. courtroom, the trial judge refused a defense motion to get the charges dismissed. An attorney who shot to fame representing actor Johnny Depp is joining NBC News. Camille Vasquez became an internet darling after representing Depp in his defamation trial against ex-wife actress Amber Heard last year. Vasquez will serve as a legal analyst for the network and made her first appearance on the Today Show Tuesday morning. 
Last month, it was announced that Heard and Depp reached a settlement with Heard paying her ex-husband $1 million. Lizzo is calling cancel culture appropriation. The Tubi Love singer took to Twitter over the weekend to say that what was once real outrage from truly marginalized people is now trendy, misused, and misdirected. Instead, she called for focusing outrage on the real problems. Her statement came just a day after she posted a video to TikTok about a tired discourse surrounding body image in popular culture. Bad Bunny, Frank Ocean, and Blackpink are headed to the California desert. The trio will headline this year's Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival in California. Puerto Rican rapper Bad Bunny and K-pop girl group Blackpink will become the first non-English headliners in the festival's history. Weekend 1 of the festival will take place April 14th through the 16th, with the second weekend happening April 21st through the 23rd. Actors and directors alike are celebrating their Golden Globe wins. Celebrities packed the Beverly Hilton Hotel Tuesday night to celebrate this year's best films, television shows, actors, and actresses. The Fablemans won the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture Drama, while the Banshees of Inchirin won for Best Musical or Comedy Motion Picture. Best Musical or Comedy TV Show went to Abbott Elementary, and Steven Spielberg took home the Golden Globe for Best Director for his film The Fablemans. I'm Karina Colon, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of the Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM.